Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. As parents or parents-to-be, many pregnant women in our fellowship as it's something in the water. Everybody's pregnant. It's unbelievable. And, and, and so as parents and, and parents-to-be, we need to realize that God has made each child different and unique. I have five children. I have six grandchildren. And of my five children, no two of them are alike. If you have more than one kid, you know they're not, and it's amazing because they all come from the same mama. And it's like, how can you be so different? I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing. It's just like the genius of God, you know? How can they be so different, and yet they come from the same parents? No two kids are alike, and so my job as a parent is not to train my kids. Now, listen and listen close. It'll save us all a counseling appointment, okay? My job as a parent is not to train my kids in the way that I think they should go. My job as a parent is to discover the way God made them and the gifts that God gave them and to take those things and lead them in the way that they should go. So then parenting is a matter of molding your children, not molding them in your way, but unfolding what God has given to them. You understand? Not molding them in the way that you think they should go, but looking at your individual children and looking at them and saying, hey, what, what, you know, what gifts do you have, Rodney Jr.? What do you do, Chanel? What do you do to the other kids? And then take those gifts and say, now, how can I, as a parent, take the gifts that God has given them individually, who they are, not who you think they should be, and allow them to nurture those gifts and allow them to grow in those gifts, absolutely teaching them the word, absolutely loving them and praying for them, absolutely teaching them to pray, teaching them biblical principles, absolutely. But training up a child in the way that he should go is taking the child's gifts and what God has done in that child and steering them in the direction that God is leading them. Now, I say that because in counseling, oftentimes what I hear and what I see is many parents are trying to raise their kids and train them up in the way that they think they should go. And I want my kid to be a doctor. You know, my kid's going to be a doctor if it kills him. And and, and he can't be a doctor. He he can't because he didn't think like that. Not only that, but but look, the boy hates blood. Uh, Hello? What are you thinking? You're killing me. 
He, he doesn't like anatomy and physiology. The boy faints at the sight of blood. He faints at the sight of a cut. I mean, what are you saying? No, he probably is not going to be a doctor. But because you're so bent on making your kid what you want them to be, you're failing to train them up in the way and the gifts that God has already given them. And what that is doing is adding pressure on them that they don't need. And what you wind up with is rebellious children. Instead of saying, God, I want to raise them up in the way that you should, that you would have them to go. We need to say, God, how have you made Rodney Jr.? But Lord, how have you made Chanel? Lord, how have you made brother? How have you made Shaniqua? First name come to mind. You know, Lord, how have you made them? And then you say, Lord, help me to discover what you want to do with them. And again, yes, teach them the word. But it's so important to do that. I, I, you know, as a pastor, it's very easy. And pastors talk about this all the time. It's very easy to pressure your children into being what you want them to be or pressure your children as pastors of churches, and especially churches that are growing in fairly large churches. There's this expectation for the pastor's kids. And and I'm not telling you this because my kids asked me to talk about it, but I think it's here in the text. It's an expectation for the pastor's kids to like go into ministry. I can't have, I, you know, I cannot tell you how many times the kids will come home. We'll be sitting around because Wednesday night after service, we get um, chicken tenders from KFC. And uh, just thought you might want to know that. And uh, barbecue sauce, dip a little bit, you know. And uh, in the kitchen, just hanging out, hanging out, chilling. Chilling with the kids. And, you know, we're sitting in the kitchen and just kind of hanging out after service. And, oh, it was just great and blah, 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 blah. And, then, you know, and, then, and from time to time they'll say, you know, well, so-and-so talked to me and asked me. They said, Dad, you know, they asked me, they said, um, you know, when, when you're going to go into ministry like your father, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? And it's like, now, now wait a minute. I, I, I don't know. He doesn't know. No one knows. And, and there shouldn't be that pressure for, for not only my kids, but anybody's kids to have to be what their dad is. Because, and especially, you listen and listen close, especially as it relates to ministry. Because just because God has called me to pastor, it doesn't mean that God has called my son to pastor. Now, he may have. I hope so. I'm just trying to train them up in the way that God wants them to go. And, and, so, and so often, and so often, you know, and then what happens is they got all this pressure to be, you know, what other people. And look, let me tell you, we have, I don't know, with kids, we might have 13, 1,500 people to go to this church. And with that much pressure on them, no wonder, you know, you kids get, pastors' kids get the title PK kids. Well, no wonder. Because after a while, you're like, first of all, you know, I, I, you know my, my kids can't be who I am because it took me 40 years to get here, and, and, and it didn't happen overnight. And I don't care if you empty trash. I don't care if you work at McDonald's or Hardee's and you flip burgers. If your dad, your kid cannot be who you are at the age that they are because it took you so many years to get to where you are. Now, if you didn't get that, order the tape and replay it. You'll pick it up on the way home. So the pressure to be, 
you know, to be versus I've always said to my kids and, and, and after service, you could ask them and they would tell you, you need to be what God has called you to be. The only thing that daddy wants of you and daddy requires of you is that you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And, and then you serve God with your life no matter where you serve him, no matter what you do. Don't you ever, ever, ever feel the pressure of, of, of being a pastor or being in ministry or anything like that. Don't feel that pressure because if, and if you do feel that pressure, you need to understand daddy is not putting that pressure on you. Because I love you just who you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to be like me. You see, and what happens is God just frees them up. And they can just be who God makes them. And, and let me tell you, when, when God takes your life and God makes you who he's called you to be, then you just start flowing and operating through life, and life's not a big struggle. Life's a big struggle when you're trying to be somebody else. Let me tell you something. You, can't, it's, you, you need to be who you are because it's, it's hard for you to be somebody else, but it's easier for you to just be you. God made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, O God. God created you in the womb. God knew Samuel in the womb and says, Samuel, you're going to be a Nazarite from the day you're born to the day you die. Jeremiah, I knew you in the womb. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Just be who you are. Don't, and don't pressure your children to be anything other than men and women who love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. And let me tell you, you want to produce some good kids? Yeah, they're going to stray. Yeah, they're going to get crazy and they're going to get wacky. And then daddy going to have to tighten them up a little bit. But, oh, but other than that, you know, uh, we're going we gonna to get there. We're going to get there. Because I'm going to free you up so that you don't have to have all the pressure on you to be anything other than God wants you to be. This is what the Bible means when it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. You don't want your kid, you don't want to make your kid what you want him to be, because you'll be sorely disappointed. If you make him a doctor, you spend all that money putting him through med school, they'll be a terrible doctor. Killing folks. <laughs> Now we have a problem, okay? Houston, we have a problem. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't want to try to make your kid something. And, and, and this is fascinating. Now here, this is very fascinating here. Notice this. Look in your Bibles again. Notice this here. Manoah. <laughs> Manoah asked the angel, okay, how to raise the child. And did you notice the angel's response, the angel wasn't like, you know, okay, we're going to do like a Bible study on growing kids God's way. Angel didn't say that. He didn't, here's 10 easy steps to grow your child. That's impossible. Anybody write a book, 10 easy steps, save your 899. 10 easy steps to grow what? You can't even grow a plant in 10 easy steps. This is craziness. He didn't give him the formula. Do you notice what happened? He says, Mom, this is what he said, how to grow the child. Notice the angel's response. Mom, take care of yourself. 
Stay away from the unclean thing. Or mom, you live holy. You stay away from strong drink. You stay away from the unclean thing. In other words, the issue isn't the kids. The issue is you. You be a godly parent. The best thing you can do for your kids is to be a good witness before your children. Amen, saints? That's so important because who you are will determine who they become. Who you are. It's true. They don't listen to what you say. Kids don't listen to what you say. You don't believe me? Go home and check their room. It's filthy. Clean your room. You can't go anywhere till you clean your room. That's the only time you might get the room clean. If, if, if you tell them they can't leave the house until they, and then it might get clean, and then you might want to look in the closet because everything is in there. You open a closet, and there's this avalanche. Ah! Now you're covered in all of their stuff because this is their version of cleaning their room. See, I know. I've been through some kids, y'all. Talk to me. I can help you. And so uh, kids don't listen to what you say. They watch what you do. They watch what you do. Yeah, they watch what you do. They don't hear you talking. In the age that we live in, everybody's talking. They got chat rooms on the Internet, news, uh, magazines, infinitum, CDs, you name it. Everybody's got something to say. But what kids need to see is how you live. You see, Manoah, the answer in how to raise your kids is you, your life. Be a good witness before your kids. It will make a difference. It will make a difference. But you got it. you know, it's like a long obedience in the same direction. And somebody wrote a book titled that. A long obedience in the same direction. See, I'm loving the Lord and I'm serving the Lord and I've been witnessing. My kids been seeing me on the phone praying with people. My kids see me at church. They see me serving God. They see me pulling over to help somebody. They, they see me, you know, pull up to some guy and he says I want some food. And I don't give money to people when they ask me for food. I tell them, come on, I'll take you down to Taco Bell and I'll buy you some food. But I'm not going to give you any money. Your kids see that kind of stuff. And they take note, note to self. You see, this is how you raise your children. But telling them, love God with all your heart, go to church, read your Bible, do this and do that. That means nothing. Because if you don't do it, what makes you think they will? They won't. And this is where we go wrong in our parenting. Because we expect our kids to be something that we are not. So you notice the answer from The angel is not about how to raise the kids. The answer is you stay away from strong drink. You be a good witness. You watch your lifestyle and stay away from the unclean thing. Notice in verse 15, then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and we will prepare a young goat for you. They're going to have a barbecue, which I'm in the barbecues. You know that. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food, but if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? Perhaps Manoah was thinking, we're going to name the kid after you. Very possible. And the angel of the Lord in verse 18 said to him, why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. 
Isaiah 9, 6. Oh, you know it, don't you? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called, his name will also be called Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, you see, why do you ask my name seeing it is Jesus? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering. He offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It is a great study in type. You want to, you want, you're your Bible student in verse 20, um, in verse 19, and uh, yeah, verse 19. This is a great study in typology. Very, very interesting. We see a picture of Jesus being offered as a sacrifice. You can go do your own study there. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering. I read that verse 20. And it happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar. So you put verse 20 and 19 and 20 together for that study. It happened as the flame went up to, toward heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. They said, whoa, that's a trip. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. Now, Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. It says no one has seen God and lives. So what we have here, remember, I told you this is a Christophany. It's an appearance of the second person of the Godhead, Jesus. The Bible teaches God became man and dwelt among us. You remember it was Philip who said, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, Philip, have I not been with you so long? Don't you know that if you have seen me, you have seen the father. I and the father are one. So the way to see God is to look at Jesus. But Manoah said, oh, we're going to die because we've seen God. When in fact, they saw the second person of the Godhead. They saw Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. They didn't really see God because if they saw God, they can't live. Exodus 33, 20. So they saw a Christophany. They saw an appearance of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they could live because Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the father. You see, I and the father are one, Jesus said. So Manoah freaked out thinking they're going to die. And his wife said, of course, we're not going to die. If the Lord wanted to kill us, he, would have accepted our, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and our meal offering. And he wouldn't tell us we're going to have a baby. Did you see that? In verse 23, but his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands. Nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these. He's saying, you see, I told you women are more spiritually receptive. She's, she's saying, look, dummy, if, if God were going to kill us, then he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering. Hello. And if he were going to kill us, he wouldn't be telling us we're going to have a baby. Come on, man. Get with the program. You see? And so in verse 24, the woman bore a son, called his name Samson. And the child grew 
and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord, underline that, began to move upon him at Maneah, Dan, between Zorah and Estaul. Now, before you close your Bibles, notice the woman had a baby boy, and she called his name Samson. Samson means sunny, S-U-N-N-Y. It means sunny, because in these dark days, he is going to shine as a light among the people. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Estaul, which is actually approximately eight miles from Jerusalem towards Tel Aviv. Now, as you begin to look at the life of Samson, and we won't have time to do it, but as you begin to look at the life of Samson, I think it's important to understand something, okay? Stay with me for three more minutes. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, it says, and what, shall, what more shall I say? For the time will fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. It lists the heroes of faith. And as you think of Samson, understand something. As you talk about his sin, of which we will over the coming weeks, it is important to understand that he is in the hall of faith. He is one of the heroes of faith. And yet Samson is an odd mix of heroism and tragedy, weakness and strength. He was a man who liked to tell riddles, but he himself was a riddle. The Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon, said this, his whole life, talking about Samson, is a series of miracles and follies. Over and over and over again, we see the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So the source of Samson's strength, understand something, contrary to popular cartoons, the source of Samson's strength was not his bulging biceps or his powerful triceps. The source of his strength was not his well-defined back, although we know the story, fast forward in this book, he puts his two and a half ton gate on his back and he walks for four miles. Some scholars believe it might have been 40 miles, but let's just go four miles. The source of his strength was not his long hair. The source of his strength was in verse 25, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. This is the source of his strength. You see, I don't believe that as a child, Samson was bam, bam. I've seen Samson cartoons. Have you seen them? If you have them, burn them. They're biblically incorrect. You know, Samson's like, bam, bam, pick up the car, bam, bam, you know, pick up the house, bam, bam, you know. Oh, there's a picture of Samson. I don't think as a child he was like, bam, bam, and I don't think as a man he was like Charles Atlas or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Rodney Finch. <laughs> What's so funny? I'm working on it. <laughs> And, and I don't think that, that anyone would look at Samson and say, hey, man, check out those quads. You know, I wonder how much he can squat. You know, he must spend a lot of time in the gym. I, I don't think that Samson looked like the after picture is what I'm saying. And you've seen the before and after pictures. Now, I don't think Samson looked like the after picture. I think it's very possible he looked like the before picture. Now, why do you say that, Rodney? Because in chapter 16, look it up in your own time, the Philistines wanted to know where he got his strength. Isn't that interesting? 
Now, if he was a Charles Atlas, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ronnie Finch type, <laughs> he, 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 they wouldn't have said that. They would have looked at him and said, oh, my gosh, he is buff. Man, that guy's cut up. Look at a six-pack. You know, I got a one-pack. He has a six-pack, you know. Look at that guy. I mean, if that be the case, it is very possible, and many good Bible scholars believe, that Samson could have been like a 90-pound weakling. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Amen, saints? You understand that? And did you notice in verse 24, look at it again, the Lord blessed him. But Samson turned God's blessings into stumbling. God blessed him. And he turned those blessings into stumbling. And then as you move into chapter 14, I got to close. I just want you to look at one, two, three, four words. In chapter 14, I want you to look at the first four words of chapter 14. Now, Samson went down. You could put a period there because it actually literally capsulizes his life. Samson went down because Samson, he went down the Timnah, as it goes on to say, and he saw a woman. You see, he was a he-man with a she-weakness. He liked the ladies. And Samson couldn't, could conquer the Philistines, but he couldn't conquer his own passion and his own lust. And later on, we'll see as Samson's eyes are put out and he's bound and they bound him. The Philistines bound him at the mill and he's grinding the wheat in prison. And we'll talk about this the next time we get together. The effects of sin. Sin will blind you. Sin will bind you. And sin, you guessed it, will grind you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.